Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Um, Okay, so our scripture reading today is from 1 Samuel 2. 1 Samuel 2. I'll be reading from the Common English Bible Translation. And you can put in the chat if you know which part of the Bible 1 Samuel is in. Um, Okay, so here, uh, this is typically the section header for this is Hannah's song or Hannah's prayer. And then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My strength rises up in the Lord. My mouth mocks my enemies because I rejoice in your deliverance. No one is holy like you, Lord. No one, no one except you. There is no rock like our God. Don't go on and on talking so proudly, spotting arrogance from your mouth, because the Lord is the God who knows. And he weighs every act. The bows of mighty warriors are shattered. But those who are, who are stumbling now dress themselves in power. Those who were filled full now sell themselves for bread. But the ones who were starving are now fat from food. The woman who was barren has birthed seven children. But the mother with many sons has lost them all. The Lord, he brings death and gives life, takes down to the grave and raises up. The Lord, God makes poor gives wealth, brings low, but also lifts up high. God raises the poor from the dust, lifts up the needy from the garbage pile. God sits them with officials, gives them the seat of honor. The pillars of the earth belong to the Lord. He set the world on top of them. God guards the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked die in darkness because no one succeeds by strength alone. The Lord His enemies are terrified. God thunders against them from heaven. The Lord, he judges the far corners of the earth. May God give strength to his king and raise high the strength of his anointed one. Uh, So this is 2 Samuel 2. Since we have the luxury of, of being in this space, I'm going to read it just one more time, a little bit slower. And I'll invite you to put a word or phrase that stuck out to you from this reading in the chat. Then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My strength rises up in the Lord. My mouth mocks my enemies because I rejoice in your deliverance. No one is holy like you, the Lord. No one, no one except you. There is no rock like our God. Don't go on talking so proudly, spouting arrogance from your mouth, because the Lord is the God who knows, and he weighs every act. The bows of mighty warriors are shattered, but those who were stumbling now dress themselves in power. Those who are filled full now sell themselves for bread, but the ones who are starving are now fat from food. The women who was barren had birthed seven children, but the women who, with many sons has lost them all. The Lord, 
He brings death, gives life, takes down to the grave and raises up the Lord. He makes poor, gives wealth, brings low, but also lifts up high. God raises the poor from the dust, lifts up the needy from the garbage pile. God sits them with officials, gives them the seat of honor. The pillars of the earth belong to the Lord. He sets the world on top of them. God guards the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked die in darkness, because no one succeeds by strength alone. The Lord! His enemies are terrified. God thunders against them from heaven. The Lord! He judges the far corners of the earth. May God give strength to his king and raise high the strength of his anointed one. So go ahead and put in the chat what was a word or phrase that stuck out to you from that. You know, for the record, Lectio Divina, which is uh, the practice that inspired how we read scripture at New City, is supposed to be two or even three times a repetition of the same text. And we don't get to read through it twice um, in on a normal Sunday morning just for the sake of trying to get out approximately on time. Uh, but this was our chance to do that. So go ahead and put in the chat what was exciting or stuck out to you. So I know that many folks join us from all over the country and all over the world, but here in Minnesota, winter has begun. And Minnesota is kind of famous for winter. Sometimes people derogatorily call it Minnesota. But what people don't realize about the winter is that there's a certain um, sacred whisper that's available then that you just can't catch in the warm months. There's something about winter that somehow like through the silence of the snow drifts, God speaks in ways that we just can't hear in the summer while we're kayaking or whatever <laughs> we do in summer. There's something so special about winter. And I know that um, instinctively, it's easy to dismiss winter because it's like, oh, I hate being cold. Oh no, not cold, anything but cold. Um, and of course, if you're like living outside, if you're living in a car, that's a whole other situation. But for folks who are like, I'm inside and I can't go outside for more than three minutes because I hate being cold. I'm one of those weird people who hates being cold. And <laughs> um, I, while I, of course, empathize with that, I know what it's like to be cold. I know what it's like for the, for the hairs inside of your nose to freeze and to just be like, whoa, I need to get inside right now. There's a certain discipline to being a Minnesotan in the winter that's required if you're going to be spiritually intact by the end of the season. There's a certain intention to be set uh, that is required if you're going to make it through, you know, potentially negative 40 degree weather. Um, and so whenever people move to Minnesota, I always say, like, it's one part preparedness, one part spiritual posture, one part, like, make sure that you have a great coat and, like, don't skimp on boots, like, blankets, like, like buy the things that are required to be cozy 
vitamin D supplements <laughs> for like for real though. And, uh, and like, you know, making sure your car, if you have a car is, is in good condition. Like there's a certain preparedness thing that just kind of like decreases some of the initial misery. But then there's a posture required for winter, a posture that uh, when you go outside and it's cold, uh, you just kind of like breathe into the cold. And instead of saying like, oh my gosh, I hate this. I have to get out of here. It's more of like a um, cold is happening and I'm here. And just kind of acknowledging like this is real and I'm feeling some things, but that doesn't that's not the end of it. <laughs> that's not the whole story. It just is like something that I'm feeling. Um, that's really important because uh, one of the things that really can drag down Minnesotan mental health is uh, when it gets really cold outside and people don't go outside. And going outside and bilateral stimulation through walking and seeing the sun and hearing animals, like that is an important part of any human being's mental health. So if you can't go outside because you're afraid of the cold, then that is a, a slow, torturous way to <laughs> be. So, so I know the Minnesotans are going to have some mixed reviews about, or some mixed feelings about what I'm saying right now. But the ironic thing is that, like, in order to flourish in winter, you have to move towards the discomfort of winter instead of hiding away from it. Isn't that interesting? Like, like uh, instead of, of staying in what feels like comfort, but what ultimately will lead to like, kind of like a fraying away of mental health, we have to lean in to a discomfort that ultimately will kind of like remind us what it's like to be a human being. There's something about like Christian spirituality in how we approach the seasons, I think, because uh, so much of the story of Christianity, Judeo-Christianity really in our whole tradition is like, um, there's certain things that we kind of shirk away from or try to hide. There's some things that we're not willing to admit to ourselves or to others. There's some uh, aspects of our society that we just kind of close our eyes to and say, I can't deal with this right now. And whenever we do that, we're slowly driving away, we're tearing apart our uh, health as a society. And there is something about a God of resurrection, something about a God of empowerment, who is in inviting us to turn, to move into discomfort, to name truth, to wade into very difficult waters where we don't have easy solutions, because when we lean into discomfort, it turns out that like it's a lot easier to address it when it, at least it's head on versus when we're constantly running away from it. There's something about that. And, and I don't just mean that Christian spirituality is a metaphor. I mean like God who made her children to be children of the resurrection are it, like God is empowering us to show up and be agents of resurrection at the sites of death. In our world. We are in the middle of our prayer sermon series, Pray for Real. And the question is, like, what difference does prayer make when we're trying to face the discomforts of the world? Like, okay, uh, if, if you're a good 
social justice kind of minded person, which many people at New City are, you're probably like, yeah, well, that's no brainer. We have to, we have to do this. If you're someone who uh, has gone through therapy, which many people at New City have, you're saying like, well, yeah, I know about emotional honesty and, you know, trying to hide away or whatever. So what difference does prayer make? And I think Hannah, uh, in our reading today, offers some really insightful things. Um, so over the course of the sermon series, we're going to look at four different types of prayer, um, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and uh, supplication, also known as wow, I'm sorry, thanks, and help. And actually, all four of those are present in this reading with uh, that, that Hannah offers us in this uh, first Samuel. But I'm going to focus mostly on the wow prayers, the prayers of adoration. Because prayers of adoration remind us who God is. It is a reestablishment of the relationship. I love <laughs> really this whole thing. Uh, Hannah is um, calling out to a God in a way that feels like it's almost like She's reminding herself of it as much as she is offering it up to God and for offering it up to the community for us to collectively remember together. Uh, I loved the part, did you catch, um, where she says, God raises the poor from the dust, lifts up the needy from the garbage pile. God sits them with officials and gives them the seat of honor. <sighs> and... <laughs> Hello, Holy Spirit. Like, I feel that so deeply and, and want that to be true so intensely because the world just feels so stratified and has such a clear power hierarchy. And it seems like the folks who do evil things just kind of keep getting away with evil things. And Hannah is here to minister to us with a prayer of adoration. Hannah is here to show us that the nature of God is that God is one who raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the garbage pile. The goodness of God, the inherent um, character of God is that that's the, the kind of God that God is, which is an important thing uh, in America in uh, uh, the 2020s, because we are constantly being pulled in all of these different directions about the nature of God. Does God care about social justice or not? Does God recognize race or not? Does God um, care about what's going on in Israel-Palestine? And if so, for whom and in what way? These are the complex questions that evade simplistic answers but prayers of adoration are there to help us to kind of remember the nature of God so that when scary things happen in the world, we can kind of like recall what God is about. Um, I don't know if you've had, and this is a little bit of a trigger warning, but I, I don't know if you've had tragedy in your life or if you've had crisis in your life, but as a pastor who accompanies people through life, and sometimes that includes crises, Two things can happen in crises. One, uh, people can um, learn to rely on God even more in the midst of their crises. Like many people pray their first prayer when they're 
in the midst of a crisis. So like sometimes uh, that happens. And uh, sometimes in the midst of crises, people lose their faith in God because they look at the tragedy or misery that's befallen them and said like, well, if God can do this, then there must not be a God or God must not care about me. Um, I remember talking to a high schooler who um, uh, was in a really tough spot, uh, socially, mental health wise. And uh, she said, I just can't be convinced that, that God is a God of love because of the pain that I feel in my life. And gosh, I, I can't um, put a band-aid on that. But I do believe that the practice of saying a prayer of supplication is about kind of like reminding ourselves who God has revealed herself to be to us in the past so that we can use that as, as courage in the present. And even more extensively, like who God has been, prayers of adoration are about who God has been for generations, for at least the past 5,000 years, so that we can use that to embolden us towards loving action in the present. Uh, and so, like when uh, Hannah says, God raises the poor from the dust, lifts up the needy from the garbage pile, God sits them with officials and gives them the seat of honor, that is kind of like a, a, a measuring tool that we can use to assess our society. Like, if our society is one that is raising the poor from the dust, if our society is one that lifts up the needy from the garbage pile, then we know that like our society is slowly leading into building what Jesus calls the kingdom of God, the, the way that human beings might best be in relationship with all of creation so that everyone can flourish. If uh, society is uh, a place where the poor can sit with officials and are given seats of honor, then we know that society is moving in that direction. And if society isn't, then we know that that's not God's will. Sometimes uh, there are theologies of various world religions and in certain periods of Christian, Christian faith, shamefully, that, that look at the poor and say like, well, you must be cursed or disfavored or your ancestor must have done something or um, some way God doesn't love you in the same way that God loves other people because why would you be in this condition if that wasn't the case? And uh, and that's a that's a log that has an internal logic to it. But when we look at prayers of adoration, we remember that God is not a God who abandons the poor, and God is not a God who creates poverty in the first place. That is an invention. That is something that came from not God, and we remember that through prayers of adoration. By remembering that God is a God who lifts up the poor and who uh, lifts the needy up from the garbage pile. God didn't create the garbage pile. <laughs> God's the one who's lifting people from the garbage pile. And prayers of adoration help us to remember that about God. And by doing so, it trains our heart to recognize God when we see something amazing happening in the world. Gosh. I know it's it's more complex than just the headline, but I saw a headline that a bunch of um, philanthropists got together and they're uh, finding a way to reinvest a billion dollars 
into black home ownership and building a black economy in the Twin Cities because the history of the Twin Cities has so chronically disadvantaged and oppressed the black community that they're like, hey, this, we're gonna make this happen. And gosh, it's like, when I see that, it's like, I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is behind this. I believe that the Holy Spirit cares and infuses with power actions that, that draw people in the margins of society into the center of society. That's the power of a wow prayer. That's the power of adoration is like, it allows you to see God everywhere and also allows you to see the, the ways that we have strayed from God. And gosh, we need it more than ever, don't we? The ability to um, remember a God who does big things because there are big challenges in front of us. As news pours in each week of more and more people dying in Gaza, hospitals, women, children, uh, as, as communities continue to be rended apart, and also as simultaneously we see a, a rise in anti-Semitism in the United States and like horrifying displays of anti-Jewish, ooh, um, violence, we have to uh, uh, lean into the discomfort. We have to name the hard thing, not pretend to have easy solutions, but ground ourselves in a God who is calling us to move towards the discomfort. Prayers of adoration help us to remember the bigness of God, and that inspires and encourages us to move towards big problems in society. Adoration isn't just about like some poetry, spiritual center that has nothing to do with justice. Adoration has to do about remembering your place in the family that God created and remembering that you're not alone as you're facing really big challenges. And beyond that, humanity isn't alone because we serve a God who does incredible things. Our ancestors tell us of a God who does incredible things. So this week, uh, New City Church has a sermon series challenge where each day we're prompting you to offer a prayer. And uh, this particular week, we're offering different prompts for prayers of adoration, prayers that kind of like remind you of the nature of God and allow you to just feel the awe of that. Like, isn't it amazing that God is a God who cares so much, whose love is unrelenting, who desires wholeness for us? Isn't it amazing that God is a God of abundance? Um, so, so continue to uh, check in on Circle. We will pray over each uh, day, and we invite you, as you're led, to post in Circle in the prayer requests area, like, what's coming up for you, or what response you've had, or what prayers have you written that you want to share with the community? Who knows? Uh, who knows what, what, those, what impact those prayers might have? All I know is that Hannah wrote a prayer 
uh, you know, first Samuel, like this is like thousands and thousands of years uh, ago, Hannah wrote a prayer that draws on this insight that God is a God who like right sizes, you know, brings down the lowly and raises up the uh, brings up the lowly and raises and brings down the arrogant. And she kept praying that, and then the community kept praying that, and then generations of that community kept praying that. And then eventually, one day, Mary, in uh, after being told that she was going to give birth to Jesus, wrote a prayer called the Magnificat, which is derived from her great, 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 great spiritual grandmother, Hannah. Hannah reminded Mary the nature of God so that Mary could recognize what was going on in her own body and what was happening through God's good work in a society that was actively oppressing her. This is the good news, and this is why God is worth adoring. Amen? Amen.